gave me the look, I'll have to do it again. I'm just, you didn't say the thing. <sighs> I know. Welcome to Prefer Not To, a sometime cocktail hour. Always cocktail hour. With your hosts, Josh and Kate. As always, I'm not Kate. I'm not Josh. Every week we have a cocktail, talk about its history, watch some movies, render a verdict on the cocktail, <laughs> look at some magazines, give you some recommendations, send you on your way, all in about an hour. How's things going, Kate? They're going. It's spring. Ish. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. It's been raining the past two days. So what are we drinking this week, Kate? We're having Mary Pickford's this week. I thought there was only one Mary Pickford. No, it is a cocktail named after the Mary Pickford. I'm assuming you're thinking of the actress. I am. Okay, yes. No, it is a cocktail named after America her. slash Canada's sweetheart of the 1920s. Well, she was America's sweetheart, but she was actually Canadian. Mm-hmm. So. so tell us, I guess, first about the beverage and then about Mary herself. Standard disclaimers. Kate and I are not really cocktail experts, so we will very likely mangle a drink that is one of your favorites. We're sorry. Please let us know if we do. We'd love to hear from folks. Second, alcoholism is a serious disease like tuberculosis or rickets or scoliosis. (laughs) So you don't need to have a drink or rickets to enjoy our show. In fact, it probably won't help much. So, Kate, tell us about the Mary Pickford. Uh, The Mary Pickford is two parts of light rum, two parts pineapple juice, one teaspoon of grenadine, and one teaspoon of maraschino liqueur with an optional lime twist. Okay. What... what, what (laughs) What dictates whether or not the options exercise? It's like with every cocktail, you know, you can always garnish it with sugar on the rim, or you don't have to. Margaritas, you don't have to have salt on the rim. Gotcha. Same idea. Okay. So, how'd this drink come to happen? And how'd it come to carry the name of America's Silent Screen Sweetheart? It was invented in honor of the actress. She was filming in Havana, along with husband Douglas Fairbanks and Charlie Chaplin in the 1920s for a movie. A bartender... There's two different bartenders who claim the drink. Mm -hmm. One is Eddie Wolke, who had previously worked in Paris and New York before settling at the Jockey Bar in Havana. Mm -hmm. He invented a number of classic Cuban cocktails, including El Presidente, which is Gerard Machado. Who the hell is that? He was the... Before uh, Batista? He was the jefe at the time, yeah, Uh. Um, which is another rum drink. Um, The jefe? The El Presidente. Jefe is a Spanish word for boss. I, I, I know okay. that. I just I thought in addition to the Presidente, there um, might be a, a jefe. A as jefe. Well. There probably is. Uh, Wolke probably invented the Mary Pickford in 1922. Uh, that's the story anyway, but some sources claim it was invented by Fred Kaufman, who was another expat bartender type who was currently, who at the time was working for the Hotel Sevilla in Cuba. Mm-hmm. So. Th- th- that's Spanish for Seville. So the idea of the drink is that it is sweet, but it has a little bit of a kick to it, much like Mary Pickford herself, who was a feisty, uh, sassy type who was, you know, cute with ringlets, but, mm-hmm. you know. But also a power player in Hollywood at the uh, time. Yeah, definitely. Right. So tell us a little bit more about Mary Pickford the starlet, since neither of us is 90 years old. Wow, your face hey, is making a tart is, face. Yours is over oh, there. I thought you only made us one. Yours is over there. I got it. <laughs> So Pickford's real name was Gladys Marie Smith. She came from a family of actors. She was the original America's Sweetheart because oh, wow. she starred. Wow, that's a lot of rum. It's only two parts to pineapple juice. I think okay. it's the cherry liqueur. Is too. it? She starred in 52 features throughout her career. She's also a director, producer. She's one of the founders of United Artists in 1919, along with D.W. Griffith, Douglas Fairbanks, and Charlie Chaplin. Uh, She was very famous throughout the 1910s and 1920s, instrumental in setting up the modern movie industry and what we consider like studios and Mm -hmm. contracts and produce production companies. Unfortunately, in the late 20s, the 
the talkies came around mm-hmm. and she did not make the jump to sound so well. Uh, she found her acting st- methods struggled when she had to use words to express herself instead of facial expressions. So it's sort of a singing in the rain type situation. Yeah. So she only made five more movies after the advent of sound. She did win an, an Oscar for Best Actress, but she kind of had a Carrie Russell situation where she cut her hair and then America didn't like her anymore. Because <laughs> she was famous for these like blonde ringlets and mm-hmm. then she got a bob in the late 1920s and mm-hmm. then after that, her career kind of tanked. Her marriage was on the rocks to Douglas Fairbanks and uh, so the rest of her life she kind of became a recluse. They she- were sort of the it power couple for a while yeah. in Hollywood. They, oh, had yeah. that, they had that big mansion pick fair that they hosted gala parties at and mm-hmm. it was the place to be in so Hollywood. she basically retired there and um she was so antisocial at a certain point even close family friends would come over and she would call them from within her room to talk to them on the phone inside the house that's creepy yeah that's like one of those classic um i don't know she had troubles with she got married to a younger man who she referred to as Douglas when she had too much to drink. And her relationships with her adopted children were very strange. There is a perhaps apocryphal story this that... This is a lot like Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. That she, um, she adopted her daughter on impulse and was so excited to bring her home that she hadn't even gotten any clothes or <laughs> like anything that a child would need. She was critical of their physical imperfections. Mm-hmm. She made fun of them for that, so... Uh, not it seems like she was kind of self interested. She had grown up in the business though, right? She was yeah. a child star. Well, to begin yeah, with, right. Stage and then made the transition to right. movies. Like so. a lot of kids, back, you know, in the sort of vaudeville circuit, and then you move to the uh, the Gypsy Rose League <laughs> type of situation. So yeah, that's, that's. Did she have like a stage mom? No, but her family were all alcoholics. So yeah, there you go. Yep, showbiz. I know that uh, after she had died, I think uh, Jerry Buss of the L.A. Lakers owned Pickfair for a while and then Pia Zadora bought it and tore it down uh, and told the told the city of Beverly Hills that it was because it had termites but actually because she thought they had ghosts. Sounds legit. Also speaking of former child celebrities. Yeah. Thought there were ghosts. It was featured on an episode I think of celebrity ghost stories. Mm. America's rich yet gaudy architectural history. Yep. Bowing to the demands of weird supernatural people. Yep. All right. So what's the drink taste like? Uh it tastes it's sweet, but with a kick, like they say it is. It's got kind of a creamsicle color to it. Well, yeah, it's supposed to be rosy, like, you know, her cheeks, I think it was mm-hmm. the idea, because, you know. Like, people could tell, because movies weren't in color. Well, no, but, you know, you can tell, you know how old movie stars, like, in black and white photos, you can tell the rouge they they've got? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. She, uh, she didn't think that talking in movies was going to work out, because it was like putting uh, lipstick on the Venus de Milo. She thought it was tacky. Yeah, that worked out for her. Yeah, it did. I think that is uh, selective blindness. Hey, speaking of movies, you want to do our movies? Sure. So Kate and I are making a tour through the movies that were number one in our life. This week, uh, we looked at a couple of movies from the years we were born, which were 1973 and 1988. Eight, respectively. So the movie that I that was number one in the year 1973 last week was Charlie and the Angel, a Disney live-action production starring Fred McMurray and... Harry Morgan and Cloris Leachman and several other folks. And Kate, your movie was? Well, my original movie was Biloxi Blues. However, apparently that doesn't exist anywhere in any form. Yeah, it's kind of hard. It was kind of hard for me to find. So we ended up going with next week's or was it the it second? It was the previous. Yeah, it was this week. Well, it's been two weeks since we did a show. Right. So it was this last week's, which was? Uh, Police Academy 5, colon, 
Mission to Miami Beach. Mission to Mars. <laughs> okay, sorry. Let's try that Ooh, again. Space cops. My movie was Poli- Police Academy 5, colon, mm-hmm. assignment, colon, mm-hmm. Miami Beach. Miami, colon. Assignment, Miami, colon. They, um, they infiltrate a, a, a Miami-based uh, gastroenterologist who is smuggling diamonds into the country in the colons of patients who are coming in overseas. That sounds like an episode of Nip Tuck. In it fact, it probably well was. All right. <laughs> so uh, it starred um, George Gaines, G.W. Bailey, Renee Abergenois. No, no Steve Gutenberg, though, this time around. Right. So, and all the other people in the police. And why was there no Steve Gutenberg? He re- didn't want to do the movie. I don't know. It didn't, not very clear about whether it was a money issue. Well, the internet or... says it was because he was making Three Men and a Baby at the time. Oh, well, that worked out for him, clearly. Well, yeah. Uh... But he did later say that he regretted not being in the movie. But they hire a substitute Gutenberg. Yeah. A, a look, a Gouda-like. <laughs> it's less that he looks the same, like, But he has similar. the same sort of 80s white boy smarm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the ladies love him, you know. Right. I don't, I don't know. He's supposed to be cute and smooth and he's also, um. He's played by veteran television actor Matt McCoy. Yeah. He's also the, he's introduced as the nephew of one of the main characters. Right. Uh, in, a, in a way that clearly looks like the, the script was subject to revision should Gutenberg agree to be in the movie until like days before they started yeah, shooting. Because, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah the, it's clear that uh, that it was. So tell us a little bit about. Uh, oh, about my movie? About Police Academy 5 colons. Okay. So the film focuses. The Jackson 5 all get colon cancer at the same time. Stop it. And the Police Academy. The film focuses on the forced retirement of Commandant Eric Lassard, who is played by George Gaines in this movie. Who you may rec- recognize as Punky Brewster's grandfather. Yeah, I think so. Who um, is being forced to retire because he's reached the age where you have to retire and there is a weaselly sub-lieutenant who wants his job. The same weaselly guy from all the other Who's played by G.W. Bailey. And uh, so brings that up, unfortunately, so that at his at the graduation um, ceremony. Yeah, like, is there a bigger douche move than that? And it's not even the guy. He, like, has the guy who's in, he's, like, giving, yeah, he's giving an award to him, and he's like, unfortunately. He's like, fortunately, you will be named, you've been named the top policeman of the past ten years, and you're gonna be honored at the ceremony in Miami Beach. Everyone's like, yay! Unfortunately, you have reached the age of mandatory retirement. And then, so that's, so they go to Miami, everyone goes to Miami, even the people who just graduated. They are not assigned to go there. No, everyone goes to Miami, including the weasel guy and his lackey. And as they're going down there, they run afoul mistakenly through some hijinks of a jewel. Th- are they jewel thieves or are they mafia? I couldn't tell. They are mafiosa who, in some way, have to bring uh, smuggle uh, some diamonds, diamonds to a uh, like a guy. Yeah, another, like the boss. On a boat. It's they a guy call, on a boat. They call him the boss, and they all are kind of Italian stereotype size, but they... I, I think they were just vague, swarthy, because I, I thought they could have been Latin, too. No, no. It's Miami. His name is Tony. You, you know. All right. Anyway, the movie, so that's where it takes off. There's a lot of hijinks. There's some kidnapping, a lot of um, slapstick humor, things that get caught on fire, some boob humor, uh, fat Not jokes. Not all boob humor, though, for a Police Academy movie. It's uh, very tame. A lot of uh, of 
exaggerated looks when someone gets, you know, punched in the nuts right. or it's the three stooges but with like 12 people yeah and uh this movie also has the honor of having a zero percent rating on rotten tomatoes you know i read that and then i looked and there are a few other reviews out there who are like well it's not the worst police academy oh because there were two more after right. this one yeah that was the thing that got me when i was looking at the, at, uh, looking this up is that this was uh, this is 1988 mm-hmm. first police academy movie movie came out in 1984 mm-hmm. okay there were uh, six Police Academy movies, and two television series within five years of the Police Academy. That's like some Planet of the Apes shit. It's crazy. There was a cartoon and a TV series that lasted for a full 22 episodes, 24 episodes, and six movies. Now, there's another movie after that, but it was like six years after uh, Police Academy. But there was six movies in five years. That's crazy. So I've never seen... That's that's faster than Woody Allen makes movies. This is uh, my only Police Academy exposure. So I'm just curious, were they that popular? Like the first four? Yeah, yeah. There was a whole big string of like after stripes uh, or meatballs of like slob versus snob type stuff. And this was in the same sort of vein of uh, that kind of... And there are a lot of like really cut rate knockoff types of it. Police, Police Academy sort of like started like that, and I think it just had, for some reason, it had momentum. And they kept making money, kept, so. Yeah, you know, I think they were cheap and they made a lot of money. Oh, this probably... one, the fifth one was number one in America for one week. Oh, it so. reminded me a lot of, um, of like, you know, the, the movie spoofs, like the scary movie and disaster movie and date movie. Like they just keep coming out with them for some ungodly right, reason. Right, because they're cheap and, 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 you know, people, yeah. there's a certain built-in group people will go to them. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's also way, like I said, way tamer than the first few. Like, there are actual naked boobs in the first Police Academy. This one, all you get is a chick who has huge boobs and a tight white t-shirt in a jet ski. Or right. A, not a, well, she's the same boob chick from the first right. four movies. But... Uh, so, no, yeah, no Gutenberg. Very minimal Michael Winslow noise mouth making. I was happy for that. Well, that's like the thing everybody remembers from these movies now. Well, it was weird. So, <laughs> you know, they're rebooting uh, Police Academy. I just saw this today. With who? With uh, the Key and Peele guys. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Are going to be making. This apparently just came out today. That, um, okay. That could be interesting. I don't. I don't know. You know, I think as with anything, it's all about how you do it. I mean, <laughs> I liked the Starsky and Hutch movie, but Starsky and Hutch, a lot more than I liked the actual TV show. True. True. Six police academies in five years. That is, uh... Yep. It's, it's like a, yeah, it's like having a TV job, like, essentially. I think that's the kind of thing that I don't think... I'm not sure that they would do... Do they do that now? I think it would just be, like, a shitty HBO thing or, or something, you know. You mean, like, the five movies and... Yeah. Well, that's what I was trying to say with, like, date yeah. movie and, scare, and, like, that kind of shtick is that it's the same two dudes. Meet the Spartans. It's the same two dudes yeah. who direct and write it and some of the similar actors. But yeah, those are just, like, half-assed uh, uh, Zucker Abrams Zucker knockoffs you didn't think that this was a half-assed movie oh yeah no no no, no i do i'm just trying to think like of the uh of comp if, if this is something that they would still do today but i guess you're right they do you know hollywood is always going to go back to the well yeah yeah okay so my movie was 1973's charlie and the angel not charlie's angels uh, fred mcmurray plays a depression era hardware salesman somewhere is that it's not told exactly where in the midwest it is it right it's like mid midwest usa middle right. town something like that in 1933 and we know it's 1933 because his wife chloris leachman who by the way is 20 years younger than fred mcmurray mm-hmm. is pressuring him to go to the world's fair in chicago which as we know it was in 1933 they've got three kids two spunky little guys who like to do outdoor rapscallion-y stuff and make kites, and a saucy hot-to-trot daughter who is the subject of the attentions of not one but two local boys. 
One day out on the porch, they see a shooting star fall to Earth. It mysteriously lights up Fred McMurray's face. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> uh, next day at the store, a bunch of shit tries to kill him. Like a hammer tries to fall on his head and he gets in a car wreck. Turns out he's supposed to die. Uh, and he is told this by a angel who mysteriously apparitionates at his side in his car. Yeah, he does some Cheshire Cat shit right. where like his hat appears and then his like cane appears and then he finally does. Uh, played by uh, Mash's uh, Harry Morgan or Dragnet's Harry Morgan, depending on how old you are. Uh, so he, he tells him he was supposed to die, and he it was a mistake, he didn't die, and then the rest of the movie sort of has him trying to become a better person, but he doesn't actually have do that much, because he doesn't seem like a real dick to begin with, he just seems sort of like he's focused on work. He seems like a business owner in the Great Depression, and is right. kind of concerned with how he's going to put food on the table. he's going to put food on his family's table, and it's like, why would you berate a guy for, you know, working too hard when... The economy is falling apart. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but that said, he starts put, living his life a little more aggressively and taking an interest in the doings of his kid and fixing a screen door, which is apparently an indication that he cares about life. But he sort of makes a, a botch of it a few times, and he tells his kids to go get a job, and they end up getting a job with a, a suspicious local bootlegger outfit masquerading as an auto junkyard. Uh, at the same time, his daughter elopes with one of the boys who's seeking his attention, played by a very young Snake Plissken, Kurt Russell. Mm -hmm. Through a series of misadventures, the gangsters end up hiding out at his house mm -hmm. after he has been publicly shamed and arrested by searching down his daughter at the roadhouse slash speakeasy slash possible house of ill fame. Yeah. The gangsters get into a fracas with him. He is shot at but does not take a bullet. And the town is happy because he has apprehended the gangsters. They buy the family tickets to the World's Fair in Chicago. And Harry Morgan materializes to tell him that he was going to die, but he decided to let him live because he liked him. He's not going to die. His number was up. Yeah. They, keep, they don't say die. They say, your number's up, Charlie. Right. So, uh, you know, this, uh, it was, this movie was not as boring and cliched as I thought it was going to be. Um, the stuff about the angel seems really tacked on, and the reason for that, I found out, is it is completely tacked on. The movie is based on a book called The Golden Evenings of Summer by a short story writer named Will Stanton. It's basically just a collection of vignettes and remembrances of his life as a kid in the Depression in the Midwest, and has nothing at all to do about an angel. But I think when Disney made this movie, they were looking for some sort of wacky comedic element to sort of staple on top of it or have a unifying plot to it mm -hmm. instead of just these little vignettes. Because most of the rest of the movie is these sort of interest, cute little vignettes about, you know, there's a prissy woman in town or there's the roadhouse or the kids try to make a kite. Uh, but it's not really it's not much of an overarching plot. Um, but I think that sort of accounts for the dual nature of the movie. I laughed. Each of these movies got at least one legitimate laugh out of me. I liked the scene when the boys were trying to make a kite and they were following the instructions on the radio, but the radio was going too fast for them to actually make the kite. It's a bit that they've done in The Simpsons before, but I, I still think it's before, i.e. 40 years after this movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but it made me laugh. Um, and then there was one laugh in Police Academy that made me laugh, which was uh, there's this the scene when the, the, the robbers finally get back to the bag that has the diamonds in it, but it, it's it's actually they're hidden inside of his a video camera mm -hmm. that for whatever reason 
the George Gaines commandant character decides is his video camera now, <laughs> even though oh, he didn't actually have one. Don't get started <laughs> he on just the like, bag Suddenly thing. decides that it's his video camera. Um, See what what well, happens. <laughs> hold on, hold on. So he suddenly decides it's his video camera. So the criminals grab at the video camera, and in the s- scuffle. A bunch of diamonds fly out of the camera, so they're unmasked in front of this crowd, and the whole crowd is like, "There's diamonds! What's the, did you see there's diamonds! Diamonds! The camera's full of diamonds!" But then the George Gaines character just says, "They took my camera." <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh. I don't know why, but it was that's again not worth watching the movie for. But one joke is not as uh, is funny. So, Kate, what were you saying? I was gonna just point out. So, Rene Aubergeois is this mafioso jewel thief type and he has a black suit not suitcase like duffel bag that is exactly the same as the commandant's so the commandant puts his down um he's he's carrying his golf bag and golf balls keep coming out of it and so then Rene Aubergeois eventually uh trips over one of the the golf balls and falls down the escalator and as comic fashion in the airport and as he's doing that his bag flies and lands closer to right. the commandant who picks it up and then Rene Aubergeois' character grabs. So they right. switch bags, basically. I understand how the bag switch happened. I don't understand why he thought that this camera was his all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, I don't understand because, like, <laughs> apparently in, in his bag, there were his favorite, his, his fish. His goldfish. His pet goldfish was in there. he travels with. And he couldn't find him. And then he has, but he's okay with the fact that there's a camera. <laughs> right. And he's like, hey, a video camera. It's mine now. Like, I'm a policeman. I know the law. They it's emph- in my bag. They emphasize that he's old and like that he needs to retire. And it's basically, to me, just the story of an old man getting more and more senile while shit goes on around him that he that finds is it's hilarious. Yes, that's true. Also, okay, so <laughs> you mentioned we're in the third act of the movie, which takes place in a really long also there's two really big chunks of this movie first of all the first 30 minutes of this movie take place in the airport in miami or in in, the plane or right like they don't even get out of the airport for and this is not a long movie this is a 90 minute solid 90 minute 80s comedy Uh, so there's that and then the last 20 minutes take place in this speedboat chase (laughs) through the everglades and as we're watching it you know kate and i both suspect that we know what's coming (laughs) Everyone's like, when's, when's the alligator going to show up? When's the alligator going to show up? So then they show this alligator rolling off a rock. And Kate, of course, looks over at me and says, it's Chekhov's alligator. And I'm like, yeah, if you show an alligator, it's got to bite somebody on the butt. Yeah. It's a police academy. Alligator has to bite either nuts or if we're going PG, butt. No, neither happens. Because if you bite the crotch, well, if you bite the crotch, it's R or PG-13. If you bite the butt, the fatty tissue protects your sensibilities from yeah. being offended, it's only PG. Welcome to Obama's America, people. Neither of those happened. It's like, you, again, it's Chekhov's gator. You can't bring a gator into the swamp at the beginning of the third act and not have the prissy police Weasley guy get bitten in the crotch or butt, you have that latitude, by the end of the picture. Well, he had previously been hit in the balls by a golf club, and he'd also been stuck in the butt with a tranquilizer. That is Comically true. huge But then he just get launched th- launches through a comically oversized drum at the end. And, but there's no comic justice to that, because it's not like, oh, I hate drums. Music is the worst. I, I never see another drum as long as I live. Well, the funny part was that he didn't get promoted at all. That, that was is his whole funny. reason. Anyway, so that was those were the movies. Um, Anyhow, yes, those are and again way tamer than previous Police Academy movies. No boobs, so you know, 
If you were like 16 and you were staying up and this came on Showtime at like 12:30 on Friday night, just go to bed. Don't bother don't bother waiting to the end cuz you're not going to get any boobs. Yep. All right, so our movies for next week, in which our years will be 1974 and 1989, we got we hit it we hit it rich this next week because we have one of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation, starring mm-hmm. Gene Hagman and Cindy Williams and Frederick Forrest and John Cazale and Robert Duvall and Harrison Ford. Oh, oh, okay. And we have Major League, a baseball picture that harkens back to the sports movies of the 1970s in uh, a way that I think is largely successful. It's not a great movie. It's not a horrible movie. We will figure this out. All right. So we're going to go make another round of drinks, and we'll be back for letters, recommendations, and explain us to me after the break. All right. So you haven't seen either of our movies for next week. No. Neither The Conversation nor Major League. Nope. Major League, Un Vehicle de Charlie Sheen. Ew. Oh, it's that movie. Okay. With the baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that the main character? He's in it. So, uh, what are we going to do now? We're going to do Explain Us to Me, aren't we? Mm Mm-hmm. So every week, uh, we look at Us Magazine, and Kate explains who the fuck these people are because I am old. (sighs) Well, I think I'm, this is the first week that I know everybody on the cover of Us. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's have at it. Uh, okay. So this is the April, what, 15th, it looks like? April 14th, mm-hmm. 2014 issue They're, they're a week ahead. <laughs> well, all magazines do that. Yeah. It's to make them seem uh, even more up to date than they actually are. Okay, so learn me on this on this magazine. I know, I know, uh, this is uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and, and Chris Martin. By the way, that is the least appealing photo of Chris Martin I have ever seen, and he is not an appealing man. But this is a really ugly photo. I don't mind. Really? I love. I don't like. I like hers less. I think she looks like Gwyneth Paltrow. She looks like she's soulless. Well, Gwyneth Paltrow. Um. Okay. You so... know, the whole world hates her, and it makes me want to try to like her. But you can't. But she's just, yeah. It's like I'm, I want I want to stand up for her, and I want to want to stand up for her, and neither of those is happening. Well, you're about to hate her even more, so listen to this. I don't uh, hate her. I just well, want to not hate her. Eh. Okay, so Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow split after like- um, Ten years? Six. Something like that. Something like that. Years of marriage, eight years. Uh, in a unconscious, un, no, a conscious right. uncoupling ceremony- they literally had oh, a divorce ceremony, a ceremony on vacation with like a Tahitian priest where they like threw rocks into the ocean and like all that shit. And then they're going to get a quiet divorce now that they're back home legally because apparently they were both cheating on each other. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of shit there that they don't want to air out. Mm-hmm. So... I heard he actually wanted to go get a quickie uncoupling in Vegas by fucking a cocktail waitress. Well, he's already apparently was fucking someone, a, a production assistant on the set of Saturday Night Live. That he met at Saturday Night Live. Oh, okay, because I was like, he's not funny. Yeah, when they were playing or something. And she apparently had an affair in February with a producer or something like that. I don't know. You know, whatever. Again, it's people's marriages, man. I also, don't... she apparently makes fun of, they can't decide how they want to raise their kids, mm-hmm. like whether they want to do it in America or in London. And then she also isn't a healthy lifestyle and so constantly degrades him for what he eats. Eh, you know, yeah. people's marriages. No, seriously. Like, eh, you know. They're both creative artists. You can evaluate them on their art and their public persona. Eh, leave people's marriages alone. Ain't nobody got a perfect marriage. Except me. Whatever. <laughs> He's back on the market, ladies. 
One thing I do think, though, is he that looks like Howdy Doody in this photo. One thing about this is that Coldplay's music has had a proportion of its goodness to how long he's been in a relationship with Gwyneth Paltrow. So hopefully, now that they're done, it'll get better again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay, so Kim Kardashian, who's famous for reasons that have nothing to do with anything is apparently dieting for some reason. I don't think that her body is repellent, but whatever. But she's, she's having an extreme wedding diet because she's marrying Kanye extremely. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get married in Paris, rumor is, at Versailles. Um, and she's working out twice a day, and mm-hmm. she's eating no carbs. She's only eating vegetables, nuts, chicken, and fish. <laughs> <laughs> What's that Kanye line about the... About the <laughs> so you got blackballed? Sorry. Yeah. Because it was two, it was two, two black, black balls. balls. It's, those are the two nuts that I don't. <laughs> those are the nuts she's eating. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Honestly, I don't. So, okay. So, let me ask you this. This is the thing. Now that I know who everybody on this cover is, I got two questions. So, Zach Efron is an alcoholic, apparently? Drugs. Uh, okay. Drugs. What, what, what drugs? Uh, apparently, he's got a, uh, a pipe. What do you smoke out of a pipe? Not the. Crack? I think he has a crack addiction. Because he was recently... Freebasing? Because that's what it's called when white people smoke crack. They call it freebasing. He recently was found beaten up in Mm -hmm. Skid Row in Los Angeles. And his excuse was that some people jumped him while he was asking for directions to a sushi restaurant. But he's gone to rehab twice in the past year. Mm -hmm. And 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 all of the people around him leaked to the, you know, the... I like Zach Efron. I, I hope you know. I hope he. I hope he does it because I like him. I think he's a talented kid. Uh, you know, we watched the Me and Orson Welles movie mm-hmm. that I thought he was very good and very charming in. Yeah, I'd like to see him have an adult career. Maybe you know. Maybe if he gets like a chip tooth, it'll like ad- adult him up. You know well, what I'm saying? Because he looks 11 still. It, no, he doesn't. Yeah, he he doesn't. I mean, he's like 40, isn't? He? No, he doesn't. It's just that. Um, he is apparently addicted to drugs. It's what apparently drove apart his relationship with that other Disney star who isn't Selena Gomez, Vanessa Hudgens. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what's going on there, Zach. He's Mandy Moore still with Ryan Adams. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's cute as shit. Uh, and then, okay, so that was my one question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my other question is, it's got uh, Blake Shelton and Miranda Lambert again. Mm-hmm. What is the fixation on the two of them? Like, it doesn't seem, I don't get it. It's like such a random celebrity marriage to be on the cover of these magazines every week. It's not like they're the biggest people in the universe. Is it, I, I don't, is it just that they, do they have publicists who seek it out? I think they do. And also, you know, with The Voice, like, it also really started with The Voice. Mm-hmm. Like, the, um, let's see, like, Adam Levine shows up in Us Weekly a lot more yeah. now. Um, I'm guessing it's just... It's just, it's, not, it's not just me, right? It seems kind of random. Like, there's sort of a top mid-tier celebrity type of thing. Yeah, I agree. Maybe mid-tier, you know, but, like, they're on every fucking week they're on there. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's blowing Kanye. No, but if he was... Right. It would be. Let me tell you that I would listen to that record. What the of it, Blake Shelton blowing Kanye? Would it be country or would it be rap? Or? Well, you know, it would be like that LL Cool J and oh know, no, oh you're talking about the accidental racist <laughs> yes. song? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. It would. They would blend. No. <laughs> See, I was thinking about that Tim McGraw Nelly song. Where sure. They, um. Which That's we'll, just bad. We'll have to reference a lot of or the show fucking notes. justified theme. Oh yeah, <laughs> Obama mail fraud. It is, so if you've ever watched the show Justified, starring Timmy Timothy Oliphant, mm-hmm. a previous recommendation 
yep. on this show, uh, which I support. It's a fun show. But it has a theme song that it's like like rapping hillbillies is, I guess, the way to describe it. Yeah. Okay. And it's kind of incomprehensible. And every time that Kate and I watch the show, first of all, probably will not surprise regular listeners to hear that most of the time when Kate and I are watching Justified at 1130 or 12 o'clock, we've already had a few drinks. <laughs> so we hear this theme song and the lyrics are pretty incomprehensible, but we keep picking out words and at this point, we've picked out like the word Obama, <laughs> mail the fraud. word mail fraud, uh, and again. So I'm assuming that Blake Shelton sucking Kanye West's oh. dick would sound something like the Justified theme. You know, he has a pretty large dick. So uh, yeah, I guess whatever. Racist. No, he does. He's leaked pictures of it online. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't think anything Kanye West does can be considered a leak. Well, he, it's, it's all deliberate. Josh, have you ever had sex unless with he, the Pharaoh? Unless, unless he's eating Olestra chips, mm-hmm. nothing about Kanye is a leak. It's all deliberate. Look, have you ever had sex with the Pharaoh? I'll uh, put the pussy in a sarcophagus. Yeah, I, I, that's, wow. Now she's claiming that I bruised her esophagus. That doesn't even make sense. Head of the class and she just won a swallow ship. Wait, so he's going to, he's going to, Fuck her until she's a mummy? Yeah, I just... It... Wait, because... No, so like his like his penis desiccates her? I think it rhymed with esophagus. Yeah, but he's the voice of your generation. I expect a little more. Yeah, well, because he's a genius. Right. I'm sure he is because his penis desiccates people and allows their it's, bodies right, to so be paved the, the way into the land of Osiris. Place. That particular lyric is in mm-hmm. a verse that he spits on... Uh, a track entitled Monster, which, mm-hmm. if you've seen the music video, mm-hmm. is very, like, old school. Okay, fine. No, I'm listening. What? I just don't think th- 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 that particular uh, rhyme is... I'm just saying, he. I think he thinks of himself as a sexual um, master. Embalmer. <laughs> Semen. Ew. Yes. Ew. He, e- he ejaculates embalming fluid. <laughs> Bitches. No, I meant that... Never mind. Never mind. Okay, anyway, it's so... two black balls... <laughs> produce embalming fluid. <laughs> and what is a black beetle? A fucking roach? Anyway, moving on to whatever we're moving on to. Let's see. Uh, letters to the editor. So, uh, as always, a little housekeeping. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us uh, at our email address, which is pntcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at, at pntcast. We're on Facebook if you look for prefer not to. We're on Tumblr at pntcast.tumblr.com. And you can write us a review on iTunes or on Stitcher. We would love reviews in either of those places, seriously. And we'd also love for any of you folks who are musicians and listen to our show, if you want to record a new version. Really? Sorry, our neighbor is... They're very loud. They are. Yeah, and they just do laps, like, from one end of the apartment to the other. Yeah. And they're they're dogs. You know what it's like? It's like that that Sesame Street with Grover, where he does upstairs-downstairs. Have you seen that oh, yes, one? Yes, yes, I have. Right, where he's just going up and down the stairs for like 20 minutes, yeah. which is upstairs, downstairs. That's our neighbor. That's your, that's your Grover impersonation? Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. So, fuzzy and blue, that's me, I'm fuzzy and blue. That sounds nothing like Grover. All of, well, that I'm saying it's like, a song. more like Grover Norquist it's than the Grover song. the Monster. Fuzzy, no, I can't do it. Fuzzy and blue, that's Grover. me, I'm fuzzy okay. and blue. <laughs> All over, look at us too. Okay. Anyhow, so any of you folks who are musicians, if you would like to do a cover of uh, 1919's Baby Won't You Please Come Home, 
we'd love to hear it and use it and give you credit every week in the show. Or alternatively, a cover of Fuzzy and Blue from Sesame Street. Right. Or uh, the Upstairs Downstairs theme. <laughs> or the Masterpiece Theater theme. Yeah. I'm Any Laura Lenny, above. and this is Masterpiece Theater. Does she have Masterpiece Theater now? She does an introduction every week before Downton Abbey. She comes on, she says, I'm Laura Lenny, and this is Masterpiece Theater. And I'm like, what the fuck? You're not even British. Like, why are you here? Yeah, anybody, let me tell you, anyone after Alistair Cook can go fuck themselves. All right. <laughs> so, as usual, we have no letters to us. However, <laughs> unlike previous weeks, we have a suggested letter to the editor, which I was torn about. Uh, this was suggested to us by reader, uh, listener Matt Milliken. On the one hand, the letter is very funny. And I think reading it would be funny. But it's also, like, super political. So I don't want to do a lot of super political letters to the editor. However, I will do this one because I thought it was funny. However, it's not an endorsement of the particular views of the letter or a a non-endorsement. A non-endorsement. It's a dorsal ventral. It's not a ventriment. I don't know. I'm over-explaining the joke, aren't I? A little bit. Okay. So I think you'll gather that the humor in this letter stems from... uh, Eh. Okay. The headline, this is from the Memphis Clarion Ledger, a Gannett newspaper in Memphis, Tennessee. Home of Jerry the King Lawler? Elvis? Home of Elvis and the ancient Greeks, like Talking Heads said. Title of the letter is, Those Who Support Obama, Not True Americans. Never in our history has a leader provoked, aggravated, forced, goaded, annoyed, and irritated its citizens with negative opinions, views, Estimations, beliefs, judgments, attitudes, illiteracy, dumbness, and deceitful outlooks as the man now in office. His capacity to destroy, malign, obliterate, wipe out, annihilate, devastate, demolish, slander, criticize, smear, and libel the America we once knew and loved by his incompetence, flip-flopping, insincerity, Double talk, radical socialistic beliefs, bleeding heart, narcissistic, blabber, and moronic views on economics leaves us utterly flabbergasted that a man of his character, ego surface adornments, buffoonery, and insincerity could be the man that we have chosen to fight the turmoil, chaos, disorder, confusion, uproar, mayhem, tumult, and havoc He has created in his inept, unqualified, unprepared, useless, hopeless, (laughs) bungling, egotistical manner. Was that one sentence? uh, Yes. There is not a word used herein that we do not hear and see each day to describe our president. There is not a word used herein that we do not hear and see each day to describe our president. And yet he still exists. Oh, God. If you do not believe what is said, I will not extend you an unsought apology. No, an unsought apology. I know who you are. You must be a, wait for it, you must be a Democrat, a socialist, a communist, a progressive, an idiot, or one of the many who live off working man's efforts. Besides all that... You surely are not a true American. Howard V. Blair of Mendenhall. 
<laughs> the man likes synonyms. I was going to say, did he just pull out his thesaurus? <laughs> the explanation is the man got a thesaurus. That, and, it's just you know three what? sentences Here's long. That Here's whole the... thing is just three sentences. You know what? People your age and you socialists, you don't understand the value of a dollar. Right. <laughs> and he spent a dollar on a used thesaurus and he is going to get every fucking word out of it. All right. You kids would buy a thesaurus and maybe use two or three adjectives. Or just go to thesaurus.com. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> on your internet. internet. Paid for with government money. Yep. Anyhow, reminded thank me, you, Matt. Reminded me of that episode of The Simpsons where Abe is like, my Homer is a lot of things. Right. <laughs> He's not a communist. Right. He may be a homosexual, a shiner, a communist, <laughs> but he is not a homosexual. <laughs> or whatever the line is. Yeah, yes. <laughs> In my day. Oh. <laughs> Um, yes. 19 tickety two. <laughs> so that's our letter to the editor. You want to do our recommendations? Yeah, sure. So every week, Kate and I give you a couple of recommendations of things you can see or read that are hopefully more enjoyable than Police Academy 5 was. But what real, really, what could be? Almost everything, I think, probably. So maybe Police Academy 6. Hmm. Okay. What are you recommending, Kate? I'm not sure if I've recommended this before or not. What? The Hot Zone? No. By Richard Preston? No. Okay. Sorry. So The Hot Zone is a book that came out in like 93. It is a nonfiction account of the spread of the Ebola Reston virus in Washington, D.C. Uh, and it also This is not currently going on. No, no, no. It also chronicles uh, the development and humanity's exposure to Ebola and Ebola-like viruses, mm-hmm. including the Stan virus and Marsburg. And uh, it talks about the American government's efforts to contain the Ebola Reston strain, and it's really kind of scary. There's a lot of body horror in it that you can like... You know, you make fun of me for my fixation on infectious diseases, and then you come and recommend this. Well, I only have mine, only just the one, only Ebola. You have like 50 that you're obsessed yeah, with. Mostly tuberculosis, because it's the king. Uh, well, anyway, so it's uh, it's good. It's the Stephen King called it one of the scariest things he's ever read. Mm-hmm. So uh, is The Hot Zone by mm-hmm. Richard Preston. It has a great opening scene. Yes, it does. So... That's a good recommendation. Uh, I'm going to recommend, we mentioned me and Orson Welles earlier because of Zach Evron, um, which is a recent Richard Linklater movie that I don't think got enough attention for whatever reason. But I'm going to recommend another recent Richard Linklater movie that I also don't think got enough attention, which is Bernie starring Jack Black. Haven't you recommended that before? I think you... Well, I'm going to recommend both of them. Okay. I hope I haven't recommended Bernie. Either pick whichever one you haven't watched. Uh, Bernie's the story of a uh, a funeral clerk in a small town in Texas who uh, is implicated in a series of dastardly crimes, and uh, also stars Matthew McConaughey. And it is a pre comeback Matthew McConaughey in a really great and entertaining role, and Shirley MacLaine. I think that might be him working up to his comeback. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you know, he's always got a gig with Richard Linklater. Oh yeah, that's the thing. So either of those, uh, me and Orson Welles with Zac Efron and a wonderful. Uh, Orson Welles impersonator named Christian McKay and uh, Claire Danes, uh, or uh, Bernie with uh, Jack Black and Matthew McConaughey and Shirley MacLaine. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a couple. So in case I have already recommended. Yeah, and in case I've recommended The Hot Zone before, um, I'm going to recommend... Uh, Antibiotics. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you have a disease, take them, especially tuberculosis. Take well, them for the full course. Because only, if you stop only short. Only if your doctor has prescribed them, though, right. because if you have a virus and you're taking them, they're not going to do you're just shit the and you're going to make the world a worse place. Right. So if you get that's a good recommendation also. Yeah. If your doctor prescribes you antibiotics, make sure to take the full course. Mm-hmm. 
Because even if you're feeling better, it's important to take the full course. Yep. This has been Public Health with Cocktails. I'm Dr. Joshua Lucas. As always, I'm not Dr. Kate. I'm I'm not Dr. Lucas. I am Dr. Kate Matthews. What'd you think of the Mary uh, Pickford? I like it. I like it. Yeah. What are we going to drink next week? Um, you It's know, getting to be summer, so we're going to have to get back into the gin and the vodka. Well, no, but we're doing rum right now. Rum drinks. Yay. Tiki. That's true. I don't know. Um, Maybe I was thinking about doing a Pim's cup, actually. Oh, right. Because uh, my wife wanted to drink some Pim's, like the queen. Yeah, we're going to try a Pim's cup. Because what is Wimbledon? Uh, it's in May, I think. Okay, well, it's a traditional tennis aperitif. Also, mint julep. We got to do mint juleps right third week in May. We're waiting for, uh, for the, the for the, the horses and such. So, as always, for Kate, I am Josh. And for Josh, I'm Kate. We really enjoyed spending some time with you. Hope you'll do it again. Okay, thank you for listening. Yeah, it has. So. I gotta work on popping my lips like that. You do that too. What? Things like that. Like that? Yeah, and sibilant S's we have a lot of also. Oh, you mean like cut back on them? Yeah. Okay. I don't know how to do that. I will talk like this. I'm just only adding the S's to the problem. They will just be S's for now. We will all talk like Sean Connery. (laughs) Okay.